Welcome to Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 81. This week is the demise of the 60-40 portfolio, meaning 60% stocks, 40% bonds, finally, finally uh, going to play out with a big question mark. Kind of go through that. And also, are bonds worth the risk um, with low interest rates or record low interest rates, especially in the United States? Um, a lot of questions have come up about these portfolios. And by the way, I'm not saying they won't necessarily work in the future, and I'll show you how they, they would. But the reality is, with rates so low, um, and by the way, this year, people start out the year and saying, I don't know about the 60-40 portfolio, um, but then rates dropped. And I'll explain how rates changing uh, affects those. You know, in, I think it was 2018, my book, Broken Pie Chart, uh, so Broken Pie Chart by Derek Moore, available on Amazon or any other place uh, if you want to pick that up. But one of the sections I had uh, was this kind of thing where what if we had a situation where uh, inflation actually kicked in, rates were rising, and a sell-off in the bond market also caused stocks to sell off. And in that scenario, the whole, you know, the 60-40 portfolio wouldn't necessarily work that well. Why? Well, rates go up, bonds go down. And if a surge in inflation or rates, should just say interest rates, caused stocks to also sell off, uh, neither would really give you much protection. Now, longtime listeners to the program know that I prefer uh, getting long the market, being owning the market, but having a hedged portfolio, having real hedges in a portfolio. And that way you get to capture the majority of the upside, and but you miss the majority of the downside. But it also lets you, instead of having to have bonds in there as a hedge, the bonds in there are a funding source for the long, you know, getting long portfolios, getting long stocks vis-a-vis something like the S&P 500. So let's talk through this idea. Since 1980, well, probably 81, 82, when you could have bought a 30-year treasury, gosh, you could have bought it for probably 16%. 10 years were probably not that far away from that. We had a lot of inflation, right? We had a lot of inflation. We had, uh, but for 30, well, I guess it's now going on 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. We have seen a slow, well, not necessarily that slow, but we've seen certainly a slow march from the highs of inflation of you know 1981, 1982-ish, uh, late 70s. We've seen a march down in rates. And why is that important? Why does that help bonds? Well, for many years, you had the, the whole, you know, the standard 60-40 portfolio would say, okay, let's get invested in the market. Let's put 60% into equities, stocks, and let's put 40% into bonds. And by bonds, it could be, you know, 10-year treasuries, 30-year treasuries. It could be um, now, of course, you can buy you know, an ETF like AGG, which is the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index. That includes governments and corporates and other things, right? Um, and the idea was that if stocks sold off, there would be a flight to quality and bonds would rally. And we saw this work to some extent in 2008, 2009. In fact, earlier this year, we saw this sort of work again. 
Um, and part of why it works is when, and a lot of times when you have these dust-ups in the markets, you have the Federal Reserve um, lowering rates, but you also have this transition and the rotation either out of stocks into you know, short-term bonds or into the bond space. Uh, as people buy or bid up the prices of bonds, uh, you know, bonds go up, interest rates go down. It's that uh, sort of the inverse relationship, right? And you know you have to you have to remember. I mean, 1980, inflation was close to you know headline CPI was close to 15 percent. Uh, core CPI was I think you know like 13 ish, 13 percent. And what do we have now? Well, in July of 2020, headline CPI was you know plus one percent. Core CPI was 1.6 percent. So. We know inflation has been low for a long time, but we also know that if you look at interest rates uh, and if you look at the yields on bonds, something like a 10-year or because the 10-year was hovering around 50 basis points, you know, half a percent, it's ticked up a little bit. Um, the 30-year is a little bit over one uh, before, you know, ticking up a little bit. But rates have gone lower. And as rates have gone lower, bond prices go higher. And so that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, look at earlier this year, give you some year to date as of, let's see, this is as of like August 13th. Uh, if you own 30 year U.S. Treasuries, the year, year to date return, uh, you're up about 24 and a half percent. 10 year up about 12 and a quarter percent. U.S. aggregate bonds uh, our U.S. aggregate bond index, right? That's uh, U.S. only, and it's a mixture of governments, corporates, other stuff like mortgage-backed. Uh, the year-to-date was up is up currently 6.92%. So, you know, you look at that and you say, well, it worked once again. And part of the reason why it worked is because essentially bond yields were, you know, cut by 50%, Right. And so when you have a 30-year treasury and the 30-year treasury was, you know, yielding, uh, let's call it, you know, two and a half or three or whatever, you know, it was, and now it's only uh, about 1.4%, what happens is you have duration and duration tells you for every 100 basis point or 1% move up or down in rates, what would you gain or lose on your bonds. And so uh, we'll kind of set this aside for now, but I mean, generally the lower rates are, uh, the more impact that changes in rates can have. In other words, you know, years ago when 30-year treasuries, let's say we're, we're yielding something like seven to 10%, uh, the duration on those, meaning the, you know, for every one point move up or down, uh, you probably only had a move of somewhere, you know, 13, 15% kind of doing it in my head. And now with rates where they are, I mean, you're, you're pretty much like at a 25 duration, meaning uh, interest rates go up one or 1% up or down, right? Uh, you would expect to see, you know, back of the napkin, but a plus or minus 25% move in bonds. So it worked. People say, look, the 60-40 worked. But here's why I bring this up now. And in order for, and I think it was Bill Gross said this in an article, if I can find it, I'll link to it if, you know, in the show notes. But I, I cited him um, in the book, Broken By Chart, I wrote in the section where I, I really got into the details 
of the risk on bonds and, and you know, something that hasn't happened yet, but uh, in my mind is still out there. And that was the idea that if you were to replicate the period from 1981 through, you know, this year, which is 40 years, I mean, think about that. Interest rates went from something like 15, 16% you know, in the 30 year, and now we're at 1.4%. I mean, that is a massive move over time lower. And in order to replicate that type of move, Bill Gross was saying, look, I mean, rates would have to go to like negative 15%. And his point was, it's really highly unlikely that that's going to happen. But let's think about the 60-40 portfolio. So is this finally going to be, you know, the onset of the demise? Number one, I don't know. Um, and, and I say that and you're probably like, well, wait a second, you just did a podcast on it. But let me explain to you some of the thesis behind this. Let's say that you're buying bonds, which have high durations, which mean high sensitivity to interest rate changes. And, you know, in the 10 year, let's just use the 10 year treasury, which is, you know, roughly, I think it was 0.60% for a while was, you know, 0.55%. So let's just round down and say half a percent. Well, to get a 100 basis point move to get a full 1% change in rates, uh, the 10-year would have to go to negative 50, uh, you know, negative one half of uh, percent. So negative 0.50%. Could that happen? Of course it could happen. Uh, rates are negative in, in Europe, uh, Switzerland, Germany, Japan, uh, any number of the, the European countries, their own bonds. They're actually in, in pretty far out on the yield curve, meaning you know longer maturities. They've got uh, negative rates. So could that happen here? Of course it could. Our bonds, the lower mature, lower duration, or sorry, lower maturity bonds, in you know end of February, early March, we actually had a negative yield to maturity. I think it was uh, was it two year bonds, U.S. Treasuries, and in. I think for a time actually went negative. They're not negative now. They're you know, just a hair above zero. So the reason I bring that up is that if you look at where rates are and if you believe that the, the floor in rates on something like a U.S. Treasury 10-year is zero, that means you only have you know, one-half percent to go to get to zero, meaning you know, if you've got a, a 10-year Treasury – and let's say your duration is, uh, and, and I don't want to confuse you with duration, but duration just means um, after you do some math, what is the sensitivity to changes in rates? A 10-year bond, it's not necessarily a 10 because you're, you're paying something, something of a coupon, right? So if you, if you say, okay, the floor is zero, from an interest rate perspective, you only have 50 basis points. Remember, a half a percent equals 50 basis points, one full percentage point equals 100 basis points. If you think the floor is, you know, negative half percent, so negative 0.50%, that's another 100 basis points possible to go down. Um, And yeah, if if you went down there, uh, you would expect to see uh, 30-year bonds, 10-year bonds, you know, things around there to to produce uh, a positive return uh, and would offset, you know, anything if stocks went down. Um, and bonds, uh, we saw rates go lower, a flight to, to more bond buying. Sure, that can happen. But I think the point is at some point, um, I, I don't think there's anybody out there who thinks that uh, 
nominal yields, so nominal, not inflation adjust, but nominal yields in the U.S. on something like the 10-year or the 30-year are going to get much below where they sit in Europe. Um, if, in fact, they do. There's no guarantee they do. There's a lot of people saying, look, all of this uh, stimulus, all of the, the expansion of the Fed balance sheet, shouldn't that point to some sort of inflation? There is an argument for that. Um, and that would put a further risk on, on bonds in theory. Um, but I bring this up because bonds for a lot of years, they would be paying out, you know, not stock-like returns, but they would be paying out, uh, you know, pretty decent interest rates. So people would have those. They would act as a hedge in the portfolio. If stocks had a, a dust up, as I say, and they went down or sold off, you might expect a, a flight into, into bonds. So to hold this hedge, you were also collecting interest payments. Well, here's the thing. On a 10-year bond, when it's only yielding half a percent, um, and, and I get, you know, you could go into uh, U.S. aggregate uh, AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the U.S. aggregate bond index. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But you're really not getting paid a lot. And here's the other thing. The you know, nominal yields right now on, on 10-year treasuries, um, I think you know, as of the 13th when they had popped up uh, to about 0.71%, that's the nominal yield. And that, that was up from you know, a little over 0.50%. Uh, but our inflation currently sits about 1.57%. So you don't have to do too much math uh, to understand that your real yield, real means after inflation, it's actually negative 0.86%, meaning after inflation, you're losing purchasing power on that. And so, you know, that's one of the, and the quick way of doing this is you take the yield, the nominal yield on a bond minus inflation. Uh, reality is it's one plus, you know, your nominal return divided by one plus inflation. Um, it's just, trust me, that's the way you do it. Uh, but to keep it simple, if you're driving in your car and you're like, okay, if nominal yields are one, nominal yields are one and inflation's two, I'm losing back of the napkin, right? Uh, about 1% after inflation. So I bring this up because are they really worth it? Are they worth it as a hedge? Because they're not really giving you much cash flow any longer. Um, and they're, uh, at least currently, their nominal yields are mildly positive, but after inflation, their real yields are negative. And when you look at real yields, um, you know, we had negative real yields um, in periods in the 70s because inflation was so high. But we also had uh, negative real yields, I would say 2009-ish, 10-ish, somewhere around there. And that's on the 10-year. And then we've popped you know, above and below zero on a, on a real basis. Uh, on shorter duration bonds, you know, like three, six, one year, two years, we've had a lot of years of negative uh, real returns. So you're, you almost have a negative real carry cost to hold the bonds. And so I bring that up. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, wait a second, um, couldn't you buy other types of bonds? Couldn't you just do like the U.S. aggregate? You could do that. And one of the things I've noticed with the, uh, the AGG, as we call it, or the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index, um, that one, you know, that yield, the 30-day 
SEC yield as of August 13th was about 1.20%. And your effective duration on that was something like, I don't know, I think it was over six years. In other words, 1% rise in interest rates. Back of the envelope, you say you would lose 6%, right? Or gain 6% if if rates went down another, uh, went all the way negative. So they're not really paying that much of a dividend uh, or a yield, right? And their duration's a little bit higher. And you've got, um, obviously, but that's been something that's worked in the past. And even this year, like I said, it was up uh, just under 7%. Where it gets really interesting, though, is, you know, let's say if we use, let's say, uh, BNDX, that's Boy, Nancy, David X-Ray. I probably got the na- the uh, naming thing all wrong there for anyone who's ever been in the military. But that's the, the Vanguard International Bond ETF. It's based upon an index. Uh, uh, and it's, it's currency hedge, meaning it's U.S. dollar hedged. So they take out some of the, the currency risk. Um, but that one, the yield was something like 0.3%. And part of the reason why that's so low is um, that does hold, for example, bonds, you know, government bonds from Germany and different places in Europe. And they're holding negative yield to maturity bonds. Meaning in theory, if you buy them, you will get a negative annualized real, uh, I'm sorry, a, a negative uh, annualized yield to maturity. Meaning you're essentially loaning, you're paying to, to loan, let's say, the, the government of Germany money. So uh, those are other ones. And then, of course, you can get into high yield. And high yield, we use high yield, again, as a funding source uh, for something like you know a, a buffered uh, equity strategy, which has uh, um, you know, different types of hedges. So we also use it in, in uh, hedged equity as a portion of it. Uh, but certainly high yield right now is is yielding uh, less than 6%, I think, on average. And high yield is obviously bonds that are uh, rated below investment grade, right? So um, that has a different type of risk that's you know beyond the scope of this program. Um, the other thing I'll tell you too, just with regards to bonds, and if you take a look, and it, it's quite surprising, how much of uh, negative yielding debt is out there. So this is from uh, JP Morgan's on uh, Guide to the Markets. Uh, you can Google that. It's kind of amazing how much info they put out there. They put out, uh, I guess it's daily now. But they've got a, a graph and the market value of negative yielding debt in U.S. dollars um, is is astounding. Um I mean, it's like five trillion in Japan, seven and a half trillion in Europe. Uh, corporate debt in total, so you know, non-sovereigns, right, non-countries, is over two trillion. And right now, as a share of the global broad market index, um, you know, about twenty, just under twenty-five percent of bonds have a negative yielding, uh, negative yield to maturity. And if you bring this out more, I mean, the 10-year closed last week, as I said, you know, 0.71% yield. And uh, if you just think about 1%, you know, a yield of 1%, uh, you know, there's like over 80% of the bonds in, in government bonds uh, of everything that's out there is yielding less than 1% right now. So again, there's not a lot of yield. Uh, you're not getting a lot of cash flow. And 
depending upon the duration, uh, you've got significant interest rate risk. And, and by the way, there, there's an argument too that we'll have a period of low rates for longer. Um, there's any number of arguments for that. And I think those are compelling arguments. Uh, there's also compelling arguments for to have some bit of inflation. And by the way, you could actually have inflation, but you could have the Fed continue to, to push rates or keep rates down either by you know going out into open markets and, and, uh, and buying uh, U.S. treasuries. Um, they, they could also obviously keep the Fed funds rate low. They could theoretically... I think there's some argument to this, but uh, whether they're, they're allowed to do this in the U.S. But let's just say, I mean, they, in theory, could do what Switzerland and other countries in Europe and Japan have done, and which is to make rates negative. You could actually have a, a negative Fed funds rate. So um, th- what does this mean for the 60-40 portfolio? In my opinion, I do think that uh, at some point, and I think this is one of the reasons why alternative uh, asset classes and alternative strategies are becoming more and more popular is, is that uh, bonds as a hedge, yes, uh, they may hedge, but how much further can yields go down from here? How much into negative territory could they get? In other words, what's the the marginal return from a change in interest rates that you could get to the positive? At the same time, you know, let's say we had inflation come in and you had rates rise, you know, one, two, three percent. A lot of these bonds have uh, interest rate risk and would see their market values go down. So that is definitely a risk that's out there. So the 60-40 portfolio, I think uh, it's going to, and by the way, people have written articles about this. Uh, any number of people have called the, the end to the 60-40 portfolio for many years. Thus far, they haven't been proven right. But I think you have to look at the the benefit, um, what the potential benefits are and what the risks are now. And I just think with these low yields in a lot of these different types of bonds, whether it be corporates, sovereigns, i.e. government bonds, uh, you're just not getting paid that much to, uh, uh, to hold the risk. And look, uh, you could listen to this. Um, a lot of people, it's, I'm always amazed by episodes I did two years ago that sometimes they get uh, they get a bid per se. They get a lot of listens um, even now. And you might be listening to this in a year and maybe rates are negative 1% on the U.S. 10-year uh, treasury. Um, and being in a, a you know, bond, the bond portion of the portfolio would have appreciated nicely. Uh, but I think it's, to go back to Bill Gross's point, um, to have any sort of, to have a run like we've had for the last 40 years, um, given how negative rates would have to go uh, to see the same you know, tailwind or appreciation due to changes in interest rates, uh, it's just really, really difficult to see. So a um, couple of things to, uh, to look at here. Um, I think if you're, if you're watching and, and sort of a student in the market and rates, um, there's a couple of things to look at here. Number one is obviously you want to follow the Fed and you want to see what the Fed's doing. It's always good to take a look at the Fed funds futures. Um, of course, you can take 100 minus whatever the price of a contract is. Let's say the contract of, I'm going to make one up for January of 2021 is trading at uh, 99.95. Well, you take 100 minus that and it tells you uh, 
uh, yields based upon the Fed funds future are about, you know, expected to be zero point, uh, what is that? Zero point zero uh, 0.05%, right? Like five basis points, right? Um, so the Fed funds future says that rates, uh, at least according to everything that's known, those can change. Um, you should be watching the, the spread between our yields and, and those in Europe. And I think finally, one of the things, um, you know, there is an argument that, that rates need to be kept lower is if you're increasing the budget deficits, increasing the size of the balance sheet of the federal government, um, there's something called net interest payments. Our, the interest that we owe on the debt or the U.S. owes on the debt, um, certainly I didn't print it, they printed it. Well, uh, there's another theory that says, look, I mean, um, the U.S. government needs rates low because if there was any material change in, in rates upward, the cost to, you know, the interest payments on this debt would rise precipitously. And that's one of the reasons why our net interest payments have stayed, even though our debt has gone up quite a bit, the interest payments haven't exactly exploded because uh, I think it was back in, you know, 2000, the average the U.S. government paid on, you know, across the spectrum of, of treasuries that were outstanding, something like six or 7%. And now it's, it's, I know it's below two the last time I checked. So these are all things to keep in mind. And finally, um, the dollar. Um, and this is one to watch. The dollar is really interesting because the dollar was rallying and the dollar has sort of held up even though we've seen quite a bit of, uh, um, you know, additions to the M1 or, or, or uh, near money supply from the Fed and the stimulus. Uh, but there is one of the theories too that um, if, if the U.S. were to see interest rates appreciate, uh, the dollar would would rally, and the dollar weakening, in theory, would help a lot of the world's uh, countries, especially those that borrow in dollars. But you know, if you're an emerging economy and, and you you borrow in dollars, and you have a weakening dollar, it means, uh, in theory, the uh, the loans that you took out are worth less because now you don't need as much of your own currency to to pay the interest payments. And by the way, if you ever got any inflation, uh, you would also get a benefit because the, uh, on an inflation-adjusted basis, the debt would be less, but uh, beyond the scope of this one. So let's, uh, let's continue to watch this. Um, I do think there's better alternatives. And of course, reach out to me, uh, Derek at RazorWealth.com, uh, RazorWealth.com, the website, uh, if you want to drop me a line. And continue to, uh, to reach out with ideas for upcoming shows or any guests that you might want to see on. We've had a couple guests lately. We plan to uh, bring some more on uh, as well. And uh, by all means, please share this. Just go ahead and, you know, click it and forward it to people, especially people who may not know, be aware of podcasts. I know there there are a couple people out there or not. So, all right, folks, with that, we'll leave it there. Have a good week. And we will be back shortly. Well, not shortly, uh, next week. All right, take care.